0: Welcome to episode 20 of Suiting Up Podcast. That is 20 consecutive Mondays of dropping a new show, and I appreciate all of you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, this week's guest, you're likely just not listening. (laughs) Gary's a serial entrepreneur. He's invested in the likes of Twitter, Uber, Venmo, and Tumblr. He's the CEO and co-founder of VaynerMedia and Vayner Sports. both are full-service agencies that service Fortune 500 companies and athletes worldwide. He recently co-starred in a role with Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Alba, and Will Will.i.am on Apple's first original series called Planet of the Apps. Definitely check it out. His rise to prominence began in the late 90s after building the Wine Library with his father and his family business that they grew from 4 to $60 million in sales. And today, he's one of the most sought-after public speakers on the planet. He's a venture capitalist, a four-time New York Times best-selling author, even though he tells us on the show that he never cracked a book until after graduating high school. He's named to both Crane's and Fortune's 40 Under 40 lists. Although what jumps off the page for me is what Gary has done for entrepreneurship. By far and away, he's the most active CEO on social media. What you typically see are athletes being active and letting the audience or their fans behind the scenes... On social platforms, Gary's created a brand and a business out of doing the same, just from the entrepreneur's perspective. And I think by doing so, he's made entrepreneurship the next rock star occupation. On the show, we jump into the state of competition, how he views his competitiveness, how he also manages his employees in both growing businesses, how he plays in the sports agency space with Sports, how he trades energy, what he looks for in entrepreneurs, and oddly, his hatred for Michael Jordan. Although I think that goes back to his competitiveness, growing up as a Knicks fan, and Jordan obviously with the Bulls. Anyway, he gives us two major predictions for media and sports in 2018. Oh, and Gary wants to own the New York Jets. Suiting Up is a show that explores the psychology, playbook of tools, and strategies of the most influential people in sports, entertainment, and business. Gary falls into all three. And navigating each conversation, I try to unpack how these world-class performers think, compete, improve, operate, invest, even train, eat, and sleep. As a forewarning, there are some curse words that take place on this show, mainly from Gary, but I contributed. Anyway, just wanted to warn you, beyond that, the show is really good. Hope you enjoy. All right, how do I get in on these AM basketball games, man?
1: Dude, I I I I gotta tell you, I haven't played in like months. Months. I saw the new vlog. And then I was supposed to play (laughs) Yeah, I was literally supposed to play Tuesday finally and the gym was closed. Uh, I don't know, but Tyler knows, so I think it should be no problem for you to join these basketball games.
0: That was one of my biggest regrets on not attending South by Southwest last year. I got a text from Tyler who's sitting here. Both Tyler's are here. Tyler on suiting up, and then your Tyler, Schmidt, has been a great job of helping us, but he was like, yo, if you're still in uh, Austin, we're playing hoops, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about booking a flight, not attending South By, playing hoops, and, and then flying back.
1: <laughs> and, my, uh, uh, and DJ Ron C almost died on the court. We almost had literally, that was the sc- scariest thing, an incredible DJ Ron C, like a legend, big shout out to Houston right now, a legend in the Houston scene, um, yep. Just incredible guy came out and played with us, one of our buddies from the music world. And literally second down time down the court, that man turned white as a ghost. And Just fatigue. And DJ Ronsey is not that white. And so, like, <laughs> it was scary. Yeah.
0: I got to imagine the the pickup Hoops, other games that you're playing, uh, it's derived from your competitive spirit. And, and all of our listeners, I would say, uh, your reputation, uh, what you've done in business, what you do in media – all that speaks for itself. So no intro is needed for you. Uh, but we have hear you talk about uh, being an immigrant coming overseas, yes. uh, living in Queens, yes. then New Jersey, uh, always about the side hustle early yes. on. You picked flowers and sold yes. them, traded baseball cards and and uh, and slung lemonade at lemonade stands where my brother and I used to do that, too, at some point <laughs> and then took on the family business. Yes. And So the origin story is out there. But what I see is, is a, a guy who is incredibly competitive, and I like to try and dig into that. Like, where do you think that comes from? How do you nourish it? Uh, and, and for those that uh, potentially want to
1: build more of it, mm-hmm. boy, can I it? tell you something? This is about to get really interesting because I've not touched on this subject a whole lot at all which is already interesting because I'm desperate for new content. (laughs) Um, Way more importantly, I'm not convinced that it is not the singular reason that I kind of exist in the way that I do. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely, fundamentally, the I don't know if it's the operating system, I don't know if it's the fuel, I don't know if it's the pipes, Let's just say this, there is no shot in heck, and it's a great observation by you, and actually, as I'm even talking right now, in parallel, I'm wondering why this has not been brought up more. It's You know what's ironic, and I I know I'm, sorry everyone listening, I'm just ADD that way. These, my inner, inner people know it. I mean, for example, we played basketball at my parents' house two, three Thursdays ago, or Tuesdays ago, and my brother, AJ, who's the love, my first love of my life, right? He's 11 years younger. Mm-hmm. Like, just love him. I mean, my sister, who was born next, but like, you know, he was so young, right? So, mm-hmm. like, uh, and I was older. I was 16 when he was five. So it was easy for me to understand mm-hmm. what I was, that I was loving him so much. That he was a little guy. Stopped playing, AJ, stopped playing basketball. Like, on this all day basketball session, 20 minutes in and sat out for two and a half hours. We did not discuss him sitting out, he discussed it with our other friends and it was all based off of my inability to even be slightly normal with my competitiveness. Mm-hmm. I had a shitty team, he did not. I felt he called a fairly soft foul. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt that was inappropriate considering that he had a team that should have run us off the court. I got crazy. Yep. Like, And, uh, and it's so uncomfortable that it like, like, you created. cut
0: that out completely out of, out of your day to day with your brother.
1: It, it, it was just, it was a very weird scene. Mm-hmm. We were like at our parents' house for a week vacation. A bunch of the guys from work came to play basketball. It was supposed to be a fun day team building. Mm-hmm. And 20, 20 minutes in, there's awkwardness in the air for four hours.
0: My brother and I were just talking about it two weeks ago on this show <laughs> how we literally weren't allowed to play backyard sports with our with our friends on opposing teams because it would get so hot. Yes. And we would start fighting and it would disrupt everyone's fun.
1: So, I have not seen your brother, but if he's even remotely in the sphere of you, unlike you two, we're not necessarily built to be the greatest competitors <laughs> of all time. <laughs> you know, you know, listen, I think listen, I I'd love to see I'm curious to see where you're going with this. I'll let you lead the way. Yeah. I am outrageously competitive. And if I was not, and this is straight up, even more so than creating a legacy, which I'm obsessed with, I'd probably be retired.
0: Yep. Well, we do a lot of. I
1: only want to play.
0: Yep. Well, it's clear. I mean, listen, you're a sophisticated businessman, operator, investor. Uh, You think ahead, but a lot of those skills are what the best athletes have too. It's just confined to a field and a lot of times it, it doesn't get as elaborate as what we see in the business world, but it, it's dawned on me through our research and then just following you from afar and then near as we met two years ago that you're, you're actually in the sports world with Vayner Sports we'll talk about and you've uh, been very public in saying hey, I wanna be <laughs> the next owner of the New York Jets or yes. and the owner someday, maybe not the next, maybe it will be. Um, so, so there's that direct alignment to sports, but what I look at in, in hearing you also talk about how much you hate losing is, is another similar characteristic of some of the most cutthroat athletes on the planet.
1: You know, it's funny, when I, like, I'm, you know, it's funny where my head's going. The devast- one of the devastating moments of my life, talk about a great privileged life, One Mm -hmm. of the great devastating moments of my life in this genre, not in real life, like dying or real stuff that matters, Mm -hmm. political issues, but like this genre. When I understood who Tom Brady was, I was dead. When I tell you I was dead, I was like, oh fuck, this is gonna be so bad for so long. Because it's, to your point, it's probably why you've been able to figure me out, and it makes sense, you know, considering to be great, to be, Great, or even debated as like the fact that you like the fact that us homies that like you and like we're friends with you business wise like like the fact that like when you come to the office or and you leave like like an intern or somebody yeah you know a kid that just went to, you know classic lacrosse stuff Maryland right. or John <laughs> like, the kids at, I always like look at like who went to John Hopkins and yeah. Duke and Syracuse and yeah. like they're gonna be really pumped today yeah. um, when they when they come like when they run and was like was that like. Like and they and they, I think they know that I don't know enough about lacrosse. So they'll even say like, you know, he's the great. Like when I think about that, that is so crazy to me. Like actually, like I actually been thinking a lot lately about inventing something that I can be the greatest in the world of, because I'd be the first one doing it. Like make up a game, like shoe toss. Like I'm the best because I'm for the first. Like like to me that is so incredible. And to be very honest, this is kind of scary. I think I'm gravitating towards giving so much back to the community because I think inherently, I don't think I have the pieces in place to make the most money of any entrepreneur of all time or even in the top, maybe even thousand, even though with my great Jets ambition, I'm aware of that. I don't do the things. I don't like doing the things. I don't have the behavior of somebody who loves money enough to get there. Mm -hmm. But... I do think I can become the greatest, and I mean this, entrepreneur of this specific generation, this transition to the mobile social way, because I really genuinely know how to communicate, know how to distribute content, really love people, need, let's call it what it is, need people to come up to me and say thank you, or I love what you do, need it. Mm-hmm. And that gets into whether it's an athlete or a performer, right? Uh, but yeah, man, every, you know, uh, I, that's a long winded thing to say. Every time I learn an origin story of an athlete that is good at what they do or got there, whether they are lucky enough to become a Tom Brady in all time, if not the best, or they're a five foot nine receiver and they literally. Watched enough film to understand how they can move their left hand to give them the separation that needed, or or they were slow, but they were James Harden is slow.
0: Yep. Well.
1: Ish. <laughs> yeah. Right. James Harden is slow. That's right. For his where he he's sits. Not, he's no Kyrie in Irving. The, correct. He he's is slow. What he's what he is is he's what I am. I am not. I am not. uh classic entrepreneur smart, I am crafty. I am a practitioner, I am tenacious, and I am only driven by the fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like it's a chip, where does it come from? Easy, I was an outcast. Outcasts always win this game. I wasn't born in the country, I couldn't speak English, I was fucking four foot 11 going into ninth grade. That's a good one you know like like you know like you know i had all I, I was a dnf think about this actually by standards of society males 80s 90s 2000s even to today you know now entrepreneurship is what i would call the third pillar but when i grew up it was either sports or school there was no other way to deem yourself as good you were either great at sports mm-hmm. or you got good grades i had neither so the world told me teachers friends, parents, acquaintances, anybody who randomly stumbled upon me, clerk at Kmart. The world told me, you fucking suck. And in my brain, no different than I'm sitting here with you right now, my brain was telling me, I'm the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just an interesting thing. Yeah,
0: you talk about how your mother specifically Instilled that self awareness and and self esteem. Self esteem. Self esteem's really huge. Self
1: awareness she gave me through like her chemicals and DNA. Mm. Self esteem she created.
0: So self esteem's really interesting. I, I love how and I think all young athletes dude, what and what the fuck happened to your knee? I, I, I was, dude. It's the artificial turf that we're playing on these days. All the NFL owners are pulling it off right now yeah. because it's actually unhealthy. It was a more cost effective route a decade ago. Yeah. And now it's like chemicals in yeah. there. I mean, I'm keeping it clean from staff infection, yeah. but I had a, a slide I'm as a dodge. Going, I'm sorry. Anyway, I yeah, bre- I had to break the meeting. I had to break the interview. <laughs> so percent. we're talking about, talking about gratitude yes. now from um, from your ability, as you had mentioned, uh, to take a compliment and say thank you. Yes. Um, a lot of people struggle with that. I listened to your Lance Armstrong podcast, and he and he was wondering how you get there, and particularly. Conflicting potentially with someone who is so driven by the naysayers yes. and like the fuck you don't tell me I can't. Yeah, but I can also say thank you when you compliment me. That to me, from a psychological standpoint, is I do a lot of studying on the psych side and personal growth side. Validates the 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 self awareness, um, but a, a, as well as just the the, the self confidence because when we thwart a compliment, it's actually our ego basically jumping in and also saying that, hey, don't allow that person to compliment you because that means that you're doing something good and you can't be doing something good. So that that balance that you mentioned I don't think gets talked about enough because you can someone can also be on one side too much and that like it's them versus the world and then they turn into a narcissist and yep. so the gratitude aspect is the counterbalance yeah. weight for you.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you want to talk about listening to that rant from you and saying, literally, over and over, being like, God, I'm so grateful, Jesus fucking, like, thank God my dad didn't take a piss before they had sex, because then maybe I wouldn't have had that chemo. Like, when I think That's the
0: the creative (laughs) side of him, right? His (laughs) brain just like, jumps back to his actual origin story.
1: (laughs) No, but only because, like, like, it goes back to the most important point, which is like, Jesus, you're so right, it's pretty neat that you've, Can see it so easily. I am so extreme, and they pull so equally from each side that it weirdly creates this balance. That like, do you know that I'm fundamentally unbeatable? Like, as a human, as an emotional human, I am unbeatable.
0: Right. Because I love them both. Yep.
1: I love success. I love adversity. I love yes. I love no. Like, I love when you tell me on the. Two comments on Instagram. I'll post something right now. First two comments. First one. Gary V. oh my God, you're fucking genius. You are fucking, Jesus Christ. I get you're the best. You're the goat. You're the this. Cool, thank you. That fucking felt awesome. Right. Yes, like great. Next comment. This fucking charlatan, this narcissistic piece of shit. Yeah. His daddy gave him a liquor store. What the fuck does anybody, he never says anything in de- Yes. Yes. Yep. Troll. Give it to me. Fucking feed me. Yep. I'm gonna fuck it. Like, like it's unbelievably sad for me. One of the biggest reasons you win I don't,
0: and you learn. One type of the of mentality. biggest.
1: I don't learn shit. I I'm empathetic <laughs> to why he or she thinks that. Right. I know the truth. Yeah. Like, like for me, I do you know why I don't? But get into you are f- processing
0: that, that yes, that, and, and you're not yes. like succumbing yes. to no. w- what people are telling you. You're saying how Gary Vaynerchuk is going to approach this negative comment is going to be not only critical for what I do, but what my staff learns from me and the people who follow me. Hundred
1: percent. I'm, uh, I'm always in the middle. I'm never going to go too high, too low. Back to that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just you know, it's funny. I was about to say, and I want to say this. I've never said this. The number one reason I don't get into fights on the internet, right? Engage in that, which everybody kinda gets suckered into, is cause I feel bad for the other person. Yeah. They'll never beat me. I'm just not, I have, I, have, I live it, in the it, opinion of one. Like, it's crazy to me how much my own parents, wife and children's opinion doesn't matter to me. And I, listen, I just said something that a lot of people just consumed. I, 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 you know, a lot of you, thank you for the setup, but a lot of you don't know me. I want everybody to understand that was not coming from a bad place. It's just the truth. I know what my intent is. I try my fucking hardest to execute against my intent. I am human and will miss. I'll never miss crazy, because the intent's so fucking good, I can only go so far with the miss. Yeah. And that's my truth, and, and
0: that's who I am. And the feeling bad isn't like, I feel bad for this person because of, you know, they're not me, and they may only be making. No, action. no, no. The, the feeling f- bad is is, is, is they're
1: coming trying to from ac- an
0: empathic place, Correct. isn't it? Correct, like, it is. They are projecting on st- me, yes. and there must be yes. something else happening.
1: Yes, you're a super smart dude, you, you know, you're super interesting. We n- There's a lot of, rat. I'm, you know, we're starting to get to spend some time together. It's making a whole lot of more sense to me why you think some of my stuff is cool, and why I intuitively am like drawn to you. That's exactly right. Like, if if you took the time to spit poison at me, You're in a bad place. Like, I'm not asking for anything. I'm not selling it. Like, like. If you're picking to pick, you're in such a bad place that you're seeing something that's happy and good and the only way that you know how to interact with that is to try to bring some level of misery loves company. Like The only thing that can even make you breathe is like, can I chip a little piece off this dude's happiness mm-hmm. because I got so unlucky or I'm such a fucking victim. It's tough, man. And I feel, I, you're right, I do feel bad. I feel bad because I know that that's, they're projecting something that's deeply bad Them
0: probably has nothing to do with you.
1: Oh, 100%. 100 There's nobody that has got any read on me and has spent and the amount of people who have spent two times with me that would spit venom at me is non existent. One, maybe I was on an interesting day and we really didn't interact in your room like this, and maybe you're like on the turntables or like you know, like but two, no shot, too much context. You figured me out by then.
0: You know, why I also just immediately said when, when Gary said, I'm unbeatable, I said. I agree 100% is because I look at the, the way that he delivered that the same way as we deliver whether or not we are successful, uh, who's successful, who is that, is that person successful or not? And, and society often paints that picture on like the economics of, of what you're made of or whether you've attained certain goals. But they're all predicated on our specific narrative, and so he's unbeatable because of what you've created and and the way that you narrate the the, the businesses and and the way that you approach life on a regular basis, and that fits um, someone else coming in and may qualify you as different. That's that's not of concern to you.
1: No, and and by the way, but I respect it, and I'm empathetic. Yeah, like every piece of hate negativity or assumption around me is very understandable. I'm an extrovert who loves competition, who needs to trash talk to, to like, like, enjoys it. You know, it doesn't get me going, I'm pretty competitive. I just think it's fun, I just like it. I'm also curious, listen, to not trash talk is actually, in my opinion, not strategic. Because boy are a lot of people, especially in sports by the way, like, like it's probably in everything in life, but like I've been shocked by how many people are so physically talented and complete zeroes mentally that literally mm-hmm. I, I, who have no shot of winning, in what I'm about to engage with with this person, win immediately by saying one thing. Mm-hmm. It's, I, the amount of times that I've won one-on-one basketball games, a tennis match, a ping pong match, a anything match, when I had no chance of winning other than the psychology That's game. Right has been fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, we start, we've start. we spent most of this show, if not all of it now, talking about the psychology of competition. Uh, what I was going to bring in originally around kind of framing my, my, my thoughts to you is when I'm driving here in an Uber, I'm thinking, I wonder if Gary wanted to be a professional athlete if that would have happened. And honestly... I think it, I think it could have. You could have found found a sport that yeah, I had think done so too. that. I think because that's how powerful psychology is, right? Dude, you're and, so, and like this is
1: super interesting. You're getting. I'm in a good. This is fun, man. Like, I love did he talking he choose about new business? shit. Did I never he talk, Right. I am convinced that if I was born in America, that I would have been an athlete. Now, I would have not been a basketball player. You know, I'm not sure what I would. Truth, maybe tennis. Maybe I've really crazy hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Like. Maybe look. I don't. I don't know. Maybe wrestling. Yeah. If I like, look. There's one of the things. There's a lot of things that are weird there's about me, which is there. I didn't lift in my entire life until three years ago, four years ago. So like, like if I actually in did cricket,
0: that. If I did, they just won a 1.2 billion dollar contract. NASCAR you know, car, like, like Listen, yeah. I
1: definitely know I have the the brain, the will, and the excitement, and the need. The, I think the need to have eyes on you is a subtle part of sports that isn't talked about enough. Hmm. I think we talk about it with a band or with a with a solo artist. We I don't know, you guys all know this, a bunch of us kind of shaking our heads to this. You don't hear a lot of people talk about one of the reasons I think I'm a successful basketball player is because I need an audience. Like like when I watch basketball, like basketball is interesting to me because it's a funny momentum sport for me. I mean every sport is momentum sport, tennis, right now I'm watching a yep. lot of but mm-hmm. it's unbelievable that the only times I'm good at basketball is when there's more people watching. And if I hit two baskets in a row, when the juice is going, I need it. It's all I, I need it.
0: Yeah. It gives you this big injection of of adrenaline. I
1: need it. And I do think a lot more athletes than people realize are winning because they have that. I mean, even thinking about you now in reverse, you doing that. You're doing something in a public forum. Mm -hmm. you're going to get the feedback after on Mm -hmm. twitter right things of that nature there's a need there yep and you got to fulfill that need i need people to see like i i need somebody to see me down five two in a tennis match to nate for example on my team nate i know you're listening nate on my team up five two up 30 love i need somebody to watch me make that comeback
0: and with those eyeballs come great responsibility i need it Come great yes. responsibility for the athletes. Yes, and and we'll use this to talk about what you're building with Vayner Sports. But I want to address the, the first question that you had around uh, size, like just incredible these like athletes that are built like Greek yes. gods that are weak mentally, and and we'll use this to hopefully close on psychology. And my guess is we're going to continue to talk about it throughout in certain ways, but. You know, when you're that gifted of an athlete genetically, your identity becomes on those physical yes. traits, those physical traits and that development, and you spend less time upstairs. Stereotypical for athletes is that they're jocks, they're, they're less thoughtful, and, and uh, there's this wave of influence on the modern athlete, which is the premise of this show. They're using the skill sets thoughtfully they've developed on the field, hard work, leadership, um, grit, Um, being curious, uh, being hungry to learn, right? Those athletes that watch tape, Peyton Manning, I used to fall asleep at night watching a film of the, of the great Hopkins lacrosse midfielders. And I would do mental training and mimic their moves. Um, But the premise of this show, those athletes that are now crossing over into business and you guys have positioned yourself well in Vayner sports with what you've built in lead up to that, which are meaningful businesses incredibly meaningful and powerful businesses treated as their own across the the greater VaynerX platform. But now in this world where sports is converging into business and tech, you're, you're situated well to support them in a traditional, probably antiquated agency model where an athlete would sign with a group and just get their on-field wage negotiated and, and hooked up with a sponsor or brand now you're kind of servicing everything. Is that right?
1: Yeah. What's, what's mean, the
0: broader vision?
1: Vayner Sports is going to be really. You know, I appreciate the frame up, and it was fun to listen to because I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. You know, like it goes back to competition. What the, the broader vision is? I look at CAA sports and athletes first, and Rock Nation mm-hmm. and everybody that's in representing, and we, we're starting with the NFL. And I go, I am better than them, and more interestingly, these are kids. This is not Aquafina and Budweiser. This is not selling a, a great $40 bottle of wine for 20 bucks. These are human beings. Mm-hmm. So the product is a human being. Wow, not only can I win, but the feeling, like, do you know what, it feels? I mean, you know, I get it a lot from like fans and people that watch, but like the thought of like 22 years from now, Braxton Miller saying, man, like just like kind of like wherever we may be, maybe at Ohio State, maybe in Canton, Ohio, and like who knows where, or maybe it doesn't work out that way, maybe he can't make the transition and he continues to get hurt, and who knows. Wherever it is, for him to say, man, man, I'm really glad I signed with you guys, you know, that's cool, I love that shit. It's the way I think about T-Rock and Tyler, like I I want, I, I make pretend in my mind, Seth, I make pretend that they, go to sleep at night every night and being like, man, I'm really am glad I fucking got associated with him. I like that. I like that pressure. I need that pressure. Uh, I think that the sports agent representation world, the modern agency world, is fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. That they give no fucks about the kids. No fucks. There's individual agents within the organizations that do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't trump the machine. Yep. You know, Ricky and Sally might, but the organization doesn't. How do I know that? It's just business. The same way that you can see when you're going and trying to make a play on the field, you can already see what is going to happen. You don't even see it that way because I hack sports too. It's not that you see it, for se. It's not like we watch in the movies and like, you know, it's just you're moving in a way that's react- It's that flow Correct. state. Correct. The, ti-
0: the Correct. time slows down.
1: That's what I am in business. Travis ex-
0: Pastrana on our show said that he he, he has a hard time remembering a a number of his seven close-to-death crashes uh, and the concussions that he's survived since then. When he's in the air, he said, all of his senses are alert. And those are the only moments in his life right now that he can remember what what face was in the stands there, what gear he was in, what turn he had to make. And it's pretty amazing that flow state mentality in sports and you're suggesting you've got it in business and now Give you're applying Give me four it.
1: hours. I mean, the amount of times I've walked into a meeting, know nothing about what's happening, know nothing about the client, know nothing about the industry, know nothing. Sit down, play the role of CEO or the Gary V of the moment. Listen for 44 fucking seconds and, and pump out disproportionately incredible advice that has followed then to success scares the fucking shit out of me. I never talk about it. I'm trying to give you some stuff here. I've got a sense of your audience. I don't know what to say, but I can tell you this. When I did that and looked at the sports world in about 16 fucking seconds, AKA a three day period, it became very obvious to me that none of these agencies give a fuck about these people. That is the vulnerability That is the reverse of how I play. Mm -hmm. I don't need the economics. The sports agency economics world is not attractive. It's not that big of an industry. I'm not gonna buy the Jets on the back of Vayner Sports. The gratitude of fucking that industry up because they deserve it in a pretty alpha competitive world fits the narrative that you and I set up really good. It's gonna be super fun for me to go to the ESPYs in two years and everybody fucking whispering that fucker because I'm destroying them because I'm, and the fact that they're pissed at me is based on their vulnerability of not doing the right thing historically makes it two times better.
0: So I think you'll appreciate this. My, <laughs> my sports therapist, his name's John Elliott, he works with the Spurs and he uh, talks about Tim Duncan which I think I've talked about on this show before but the athletes usually take on one of two and the best ones will, will absorb both. But they're either a mathematician or a statistician or an artist. And most of us get to the point where we are in sports because of how hard we practice and acquire skill. And that takes counting your repetitions, getting against the wall, shooting a thousand jumpers, and you become the statistician. But that will erode you uh, very much to walking into a boardroom. And if all you're doing is looking at the analytics and the business and you're churning through Excel spreadsheets, You're not gonna come up with anything creative. Now, John Elliott and the sports therapist say, like, you need to have that open canvas just as much, if not more now, once you reach the pro level or the boardroom to where you're freely painting and you become an artist and you're not looking at the analytics as much. So what he worked on to extend Tim Duncan's career beyond 20 years professionally was right when Tim turned 30, he goes, we're gonna stop counting our jump shots and you're just gonna go out there and flick the ball he says that's what Steph Curry does really well is he just goes out to the court and he just shoots for fun. If it becomes too serious, if you get too deep into analytics, you can't get your head above the clouds and think creatively.
1: If math was the punchline, it'd all be over. (laughs) It's black and white. Yeah. I'm a big buyer of this. Uh, what's been fun for me is I would have stayed full-pledge artist all the way through, but I walked into an era where the internet was becoming too important, and I had to surround my game in respecting math a little bit more than I would have. I'm pure art. The reason most entrepreneurs and business people can't beat me is they want to compete with me in math, and I beat them in coloring.
0: Yep. And you've got experience in math as an investor.
1: I do, but... I didn't use- so that skill set's Yes, though. but I didn't use math to know that I believed that Twitter and Facebook were going to change the world. There was no math there as an investor. Why do you think so many people pass on Twitter and Facebook? Mm-hmm. They're unable to see the third chess move. My pulse of the human race is what I trade on. My unbelievable in tune capability of human behavior and the current state of it in macro and micro trends all the way from what does US North Korea conflict to why are kids buying slime on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That combination of understanding how to add one plus one in that scenario gives me the read on a 42 year old woman in Kansas who has an eight-year-old daughter that buys slime on Instagram, who watches CNN all day, that gives me an unbelievable unfair advantage to understand that all then leads to her buying red shoes two years from now. That is a very weird game. Yep. But a game that I now can take a lot of credit for because of how many things I've been right about long before anybody thought I was right.
0: Yep, And, and you're reading people. Correct. Um, And in real time in real time and
1: that at end at scale I am equally as good at walking into a room becoming a complete chameleon and in 47 seconds understanding everything that is going to make this a fruitful event for everyone as I am in understanding Underprivileged Native American dynamics around peanut butter—it's just a very interesting thing, yeah. and it's a, it's it's uh it's why I am completely unbeatable in that game because who the hell? I mean, you know, you want to get me into a place where I stop talking? Ask me how to explain that's happening, you know, like that's like, I don't, you know,
0: how when you sit in on a pitch meeting and yes. you're looking at the founders or co-founders, yes. Uh, what are some characteristics that you have that that, that that you're looking for them to show you that you want to, hey, say maybe there's three boxes that you want to see checked out of the gates to extend this this meeting or or is there just this sense?
1: I am doing something pretty awkward that is confusing me and the market and I've never articulated this way either. What I'm basically doing is talking the entire time to allow me to be listening the entire time. Hmm. I've come to realize that's what I'm doing. I basically suffocate a room every time I'm in it. I talk 89 to 97% of the volume of conversation all for one thing, to be able to feel how one reacts to the things that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm a great public speaker. I have no idea what the fuck's going on until the second I hit stage, I start talking. If you actually quietly watch my talks, I would argue that oftentimes the first three to seven minutes are clunky and could even potentially slightly awkward, considering how great I am at speaking. you believe that d
0: so so do you trade body language
1: I trade I trade probably a lot of yes I trade body language I think that is absolutely true and then and then the things that you don't even say, i just i i trade i trade eye contact yeah, all of it I trade those things, my man. Yeah, yeah. I trade energy. I trade energy. Mm. I I have the ability to taste what's going on at all times. Um, And so nobody's ever said this. I've never said this out loud. I think I've alluded to it maybe once or twice now, but like I I don't really think so. I'm looking at you guys because you hear so much of it. I am potentially slightly, it's why I like telling the same story and give my narrative up front cuz it gets me into my cadence and I'm able to respond to mm-hmm. how they responded and what they responded and then I'm off to the races in 8000 different directions predicated on who the audience is what's happening in the world and what I believe is about to happen.
0: Mhm. You and still that, get nervous before you talk?
1: No, but I get like competitive.
0: Yep. Yeah. You
1: know I get competitive like it's funny I like look at box. I love boxing like I, that's how I feel. I genuinely feel that I'm in the dressing room, and I better get my sweat up because I don't want to be a cold fighter and get knocked out in the first round. That's right, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think about that stuff. Like, yeah. uh, but I'm never nerve. I know I know I'm great at public speech. I- I've never ever had a bad speech, and I never will it's funny, two years ago, I started thinking about it. I'm like, "Will it ever happen? <laughs> like, will it ever happen? Will something weird happen? Will I just go up there? And like lose it, or more importantly, and it has, here's where it does happen will my mind go to something I'm worried about and I'll lose my mojo? Yeah. You know, like well, I think about like well, God. Well, that happens
0: to me all the time, and I'll just give our listeners a uh, a a bird's eye view of what what's been happening over these past half uh, thirty minutes of listening to Gary is that you know it's it's an open office, so it's glass walls, and you know he's he's running this space as CEO, and there are his employees are walking by, and there's people visiting, and he's able to stay on topic while checking (laughs) out what's going on in the office. So I suppose that's actually what you're saying, where you're talking and listening simultaneously. For me, I can't can't do that, uh, I, I, will, I will lose my, my thought <laughs> immediately, but it's impressive, I'm seeing you doing it right now. Yeah,
1: and I'll tell you, there's a third thing that would really, like, thank you, that's cool. You're, you're really crushing this, by the way, kudos to you. <laughs> this is the one that's even more interesting. It's super, so we got lucky, right? We did it here, and yeah. there is a lot going on here, so you got to see it, it is what I do. It's mm. why I probably was bad at school, because I was like doing it, and that was disrespectful to a teacher, things of that nature. The third one's the most interesting part to me. So you're seeing the more obvious one of me doing two things at once. The thing I do every day of my life is I'm in something and I'm processing something else at the same time. It is weird to me what my brain is doing. I'm literally in a meeting and literally in parallel and in a way that I don't know how to even explain to the listeners. Like In equal strength in my brain, there's something else happening. There's I genuinely, and by the way, this is probably so obvious and maybe there's some brain people here or maybe in 30 years we learn more things about the brain. I genuinely think I have more operating systems than most people. I am doing three things. I am in this interview and I think you can tell and everybody listening, I'm fucking in this interview. Right. I'm super paying attention to some of the stuff that the team's working on right now and I could see it based on why is Chris Bradley leaving right now which is what just happened, right? <laughs> and in number three, I'm thinking about the meeting I'm about to have with Guy O'Seri and the four-hour meeting I'm about to have with Jeff Nicholson about media and playing the cadence of visualizing what they're about to say and wh- how I'm gonna respond. That is rad.
0: Yeah, and, and your time to exhale is, is watching the New York Jets play.
1: The one place where that doesn't, that everything you just heard is not happening ever and it is quiet up there. Yeah. Is me watching, you know, (laughs) literally the foot positioning of my left tackle if I think he's going to get beat. So I've gotten to the place in football where I'm now like so educated that, and now I'm going into this. I flag
0: that not to go there, by the way, on like player stats and stuff. Am I going to touch it?
1: (laughs) It's just really interesting, man. Like, it's so fun for me, like watching Gunners, you know. Art. like I've, I've got, it's cool man, like you know, only wine and only business are the only other places where I understand something so well that it becomes like an art. I watch football, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm a, I am love sports, I don't understand those sports and I know a ton, I know the histories, I know, I know so much, yep. I know a lot of stuff, but it's scary to me how much more I understand American football than basketball and I understand basketball, but there's nothing that happens on a football field that I don't know everything about like just like like it's I mean I really know plays like I know lo- I know what's about to happen
0: that was the other place for my head went <laughs> going in here is like professional athlete and then fuck what if he was a prof- professional football coach w- would we probably see um you know uh, lineups out there that would be you know so non-traditional formations you'd walk out and be like what the, is that shit even legal What's going on? But my so, guess is that you would so think about it entirely differently. This is why I
1: hate your other guest that you've had on this, Bill Belichick. You know, because <laughs> he's, he's, it's it's very difficult for me to watch him because he does shit. You one. know, it's just tough, man. I see him do shit, and I'm like, fuck, I would have done that too. Right. Like, You know, like 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 it's just yeah. I'm just it. like fuck, man. Like it's why I knew I was in for twenty bad years. You know, like it was really tough you know 20 years ago mm. like and it was probably 15 17 years ago when i was like fuck i'm in, i'm in it for the next 15 years of my, I'm going to be 42 years old I'm, you know back in the day i'm like i'm like i'm going to be 45 before these fucking i mean i i desperately needed something terrible to happen to them for me not to be in a place where i was going to deal with 20 years of pain
0: was that a similar and by the
1: way nothing terrible happened i've been in 20 years of pain
0: was that a similar mindset you had to to jordan who you equally yes. despise yes
1: but uh, but but jordan taught me what I was in for with, Br- like I was too young to understand the higher plane of issue with Jordan. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand yep. that throwing your ping pong racket at your teammate, that going to Atlantic City four minutes before a game all night and still dropping, I didn't understand that the enormous, and let's call it what it is, the enormous shortcomings that Michael Jordan has as a human being were exactly the same reason that I was never gonna get a Knicks championship. Hmm. And, and I would say that that is a fascinating thing about unhealthy competitiveness. There are things that I'm willing to do that are so fundamentally unacceptable only in places where there are points being kept. I'm a much better human being than I am in a meaningless ping pong match. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Scott Galloway says fight unfair recommendation to, to, to college graduates right now. Yeah. Fight unfair. Yeah,
1: I get it. I, I, you know, it's funny, I gravitated, I, I actually would love to know how, where he goes with that, because I would tell you the reason I punted school in fourth grade was to fight unfair. I realized, this is true, I realized in fourth grade that there was no chance in hell That anything that was about to happen over the next eight years in a classroom was gonna have any impact on me whatsoever. So I decided, instead of doing the thing that most people do, which is spend just enough time to appease something that is palpable by society, which would have meant I would have been a B student and went to Rutgers or Maryland, like like or West Virginia, right? That's what I had in me. Mm -hmm. Not I wasn't good enough to do it and go to Penn or Princeton. I was, I knew what I was, that I was not gonna do that that I was gonna go way more extreme and be an F student because I, this is this is something that I don't think I've ever explained in enough detail. From sixth grade to senior year of high school, I never opened a book in my home in my entire life. As a matter of fact, in ninth grade, 10th like grade, in sophomore year of high school, I never took a book home. Every book I had, I left in my locker every day. I never did one piece of homework in my entire high school career. I just want everybody here to hear this. Clearly, in my entire four years of high school, I handed in 0.0 F some book reports. What I did was I fought unfair. I spent every minute in class daydreaming, visualizing mm. how I was gonna set up that baseball card table. Why was Cecil Fielder gonna hit a lot of home runs coming from Japan, and should I buy his 86 tops rookie cards for 10 cents a piece, just in case he does? Uh, You know, spoiler alert, he hit a lot of home runs. I made a lot of money selling cards I bought for 10 cents for $4 a piece. Why was Kenny Lofton, these are some really rad shit. I'm trying to give you some, I'm going to a place I haven't gone in a long time. Why was Kenny Lofton's ability to be a great point guard for Arizona State or Arizona and get to the Final Four a proxy to him being a good base stealer? And why was him getting traded to the Cleveland Indians at the same time that I believed in Joey Bell and Jim Tomy and Charles Nagy, that would lead to him being a good bet to spend ten thousand dollars of my money, which I had twenty thousand to my name as a fifteen-year-old, to buy unlimited Kenny Lofton rookie cards wearing his Astros jersey, though he was an Indian, and why that made me my first real nut of real money. Like, why was I right? Like, why was I right with? how was I able to understand that Kenny Lofton was gonna be a much better baseball player than Pat Listash even though he was the runner up to rookie of the year like these are the things that I've always had and they transformed into building an e-commerce website. They transformed into me understanding YouTube. It transformed into my big nut that I'm known for in investing in Facebook and Twitter. Mm. It transformed into me now spending time with Russ the rapper or Logic or the people that I know are the next Drake and Lil Wayne. It's trading and investing in the thing that's going to be bigger, and that does not come from fucking math.
0: Yeah. Well, we we often hear think outside the box. I take away that, that you were just – you live outside the box. Uh, and, and, and like further validation on that is, is didn't turn in a book report as an, as an undergrad uh, and as a multiple-time New York Times bestselling author. Right? Mm-hmm. So like – you know, what computes their I mean, creativity my, in, spells? I'm a,
1: in a couple of months from this recording, I will have my fifth New York Times bestselling book. I promise you, every one of my English teachers that know that I, <laughs> my man, well, just so everybody understands, I want to make sure everybody understands, I can't spell. Did I know in fifth grade that the internet would come along? No. Did I know that Auto correct was going to be a feature on this internet. Who needs to spell? You don't need to. I spell things on purpose wrong. Yeah. That I need to. Sp- I. Sp- How many people listening right now misspell wrong. things on purpose because yeah. it's quicker to type right. it that way and auto correct than just sp- like. Right. Did I know that information, guys? School, memorize information, regurgitate information. Now, if you want to know anything, hey Siri. Who's the 18th president of the United States? Okay, give me a moment. Ulysses Grant. Like, like, you know. the 18th president of the United States? look. Did, yeah. did I know? You didn't even have to unlock it? Did I phone. know that 20 years ago, some technology would come along that would commoditize everything that all my friends popped pills, stressed about, tried to garner to be something. Self- no, I did not. You know what I knew? I knew I knew who I was and I had a funny feeling, a deep young intuition, that if I made that dramatically better, that that was going to be way better than me slightly making better all the other shit. Yep. And, I, and now, by the way, if you're listening and you're the reverse of me, you're a math whiz, you're type A, do not try to become charismatic. Do not try to learn how to, go, become the best fucking that. Mm-hmm. That's the fucking game. Better yep. your strengths and I'm gonna say it, Punt your weaknesses. Yeah. Now, if one of your weaknesses is a death blow, you better fucking figure out how not to allow that to happen.
0: I like the I like the 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 idea of punting versus what we often hear is give up. Yes. Punting,
1: you're still in the game. You're still in the game. You're still playing. You're still, and in you're the still game. winning. You're just good enough. Like I said, and I fo- notice how I followed it up with, and if one of its and if it's a vulnerability that will kill you, you better like to me. There's a lot of things that I don't do well. It's just, it's so obvious that the, there's so many diminishing returns to appeasing the current system. Mm. The things that we deem valuable today, anybody that thinks that society gonna deem them valuable in 20 years, socially, it's just not smart. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I don't know. For example, the thing that I'm fascinated by, one of the reasons I'm super confident is I'm stunned that winning and losing got political. Mm. What a huge advantage for me. What an amazing advantage for me that I worry about no nine year old in America because she and he are getting taught 87% of the time that it's okay to lose,
0: mm. that
1: everybody's a winner. Right. I'm pumped because I'm scared of none of these little fuckers. Right. They can't beat me. <laughs> How can they possibly beat me when they think that coming in ninth place is just as good? Let's be very well, careful. You about- have to have the edge. You have to have the edge. This is it's not about being like sick like me and wanting to stab somebody when you lose. Of course that's not good. But teaching youngsters that <laughs> ninth place is the same as first place. And if you watch carefully, that's what we're doing. I told my Quite eight-year-old literally
0: with, with ribbons and verbally.
1: It's not they don't even keep school the things we're doing because of the insecurity of parents. This is not the insecurity of the kids. Yeah. This is the insecurity of the parents. It's unbelievable and I'm loving it. You know why? I've got two kids I gotta focus on. You know what I told my kids this summer? That I got to spend some good time. There's two things I focused on. Number one, kids, you're a fucking Jets fan. We're gonna go 0-16. <laughs> Everybody in school's gonna make fun of you this year. You're gonna be seduced because a lot of your friends don't have self-esteem so they're gonna say they're Golden State Warrior fans. We're fucking Nick fans. Get your shit together, get focused, get used to losing. Yep. That was number one. Number two was the following. I love the school you go to. I love the society you're living in. I love a lot of things. But this horse shit that you're hearing that losing is awesome too, it's not real. Yeah. And I, as your daddy, will not allow you to believe in that in any shape or form. Losing fucking sucks. Fuck losing. I hate losing. You do lose. It's gonna suck shit. That's right. But winning, is real, losing is real, and when you came, and, and Xander, when you came in last in that little race in camp, you lost, motherfucker. Right. You didn't win. Well, well, it wasn't the same. Did it feel the same? Did it seem like it was the same? Did it feel weird that you were the last one still on the grass? Like, one of your kids was drinking fucking his third cup of Kool-Aid by the time you got to the finish line. Lo- Did there that are so feel the same?
0: <laughs> There are so many lessons in losing and that carrying actual weight.
1: Are you kidding me, If it me, doesn't man?
0: carry weight, even, so, Co founder of Alibaba Josai played yes. lacrosse at Yale. Yes. He's coming into pro lacrosse yes. a- as an owner. He talks about one of the most valuable lessons he learned playing sports growing up is how to deal with losing. 100%. You don't have to deal with it if it's a good thing or if it's okay. You don't <laughs> did you develop that you lo- resilience.
1: Did you cry when you lost when you were little?
0: I cried when I lost the national championship game. That my I understand. Senior year. That I understand. Look, I cried oh, I mean, when I, I listen, bro, I, I, I cried cr- when
1: Garrison Hurst got a ninety nine yard run against Let's, the Jets in overtime in a regular season game when I was twenty four years old. I'm, so forget I, about that. I mean, did I, you cry so listen, consistently when you lost between six and eleven?
0: So when I got a sports psychologist because I didn't know how to handle losing when I was 28 years old. Yeah. When I was 13 in an I270 rec game in basketball, I was the guy crying when we lose yeah. games.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Like I cried so much um, in my youth. I cr- I cried basically every other day of my life from first to 7th grade because if I lost anything, I cried.
0: So you have your phone out. And
1: cried by the way, just so everybody knows. Not like, yeah, like not like bitched, like tears, like like snot rockets, <laughs> like like just would cry, like nobody wanted to play with me ever anywhere. I, I had to like yeah. I had to like find new groups of friends because they wouldn't realize that if they yeah. somehow beat me in double dribble in NES, I would throw my remote right. through their fucking T V. Like <laughs> like it was just not healthy.
0: Yeah. So we're getting a a, a ton of, of of analysis, process examples <laughs> that you're giving us. There's gold throughout. Um, you're you're bouncing from meeting to meeting. You, you pulled your phone out, yes. gave us a great example around spell check and Siri. Yes. What's on the home screen of your phone? Of someone that is is working uh, in the tech space, investing, operating. You don't have to go if there's beta apps and stuff like that. But what are you using most frequently that that benefits you? Uh, from a brand and the media, you Instagram, Snap. I mean, look
1: at my phone, right? Yeah. And I'll, you know what? I'll take a, I'll take a screenshot, and now I'm literally emailing it to you guys. I don't know how you do. So one, it'll be in one. our show notes. Yeah, you'll do whatever you do, right? Yep. Um, but Tyler, I'm going to send it to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Not you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I'm i 'm all social all the time, mm-hmm. very little anything else i don 't do anything other than like do what i 'm doing it 's all business stuff like it 's super crazy i 'm looking at my phone like there 's no zero games z- like very few utilities because I have assistance and assistance and assistance i don 't yep. do logistics you know i can 't even say the word i don 't do logistics right um, it 's literally my phone is reddit Twitter Instagram snapchat Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Anchor, like this, it's all social.
0: Yep. Dividing and conquering. Before you run, yes. is, there a big, uh, is there a big prediction you can give us? One in media for 2018 and one in sports for 2018. <laughs> yes.
1: Media, it's all about voice and sound. That's mm-hmm. why I'm so happy watching you do your thing here. Audio, audio, audio. It's passive consumption. Audio is the thing that all of you can do that I was blessed with, I think, which is you can do two things at once. You could, so many of you right now are listening to this and doing something else. And if you're watching the video version of this on my vlog, or if we've got a bunch of recordings here, if we give it to you, if you decide to put it out, working out, cooking, you can't do it as easily. You can do it, but if you're doing it, that means you're listening to it. Sound, 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 Alexa skills, Google Home, Apple Pod, and then podcast original content. That is my bet, I'm obsessed with sound. If I was starting VaynerMedia today, there would have been a great chance, it would have been known as an audio shop. We would have mm-hmm. started, as in 2009, as an audio shop. We would wanna build your skills and your briefs on Alexa, and we'd wanna be your production arm for your original podcast, and we would buy media on the podcast, it would be where we would go. Okay, so that's number one. In sports, um, so I think that, um, what's interesting to me, I think that there's nothing that is as interesting as the thing I said in audio. I think that I'm really fascinated by the growth of esports. It will continue, Mm -hmm. but I think everybody who's smart knows that, and Mm -hmm. everybody who's not doesn't even know it exists. Uh, I think that, McGregor will continue to hack culture and get disproportionately financially compensated for it. Uh, so I think fighting in the in environment will continue to have big events. I, I think McGregor should fight Pacquiao. I think I think I think mm. a second tier UFC fighter should fight a top flight boxer. I, I think there's real money. For everybody in those worlds, for them to continue to cross over.
0: I love what you said about hacking culture, and that's where the NBA is so well positioned, and where Bleacher and Complex and Vice are are going along as well.
1: Yes, and I think that, uh, and I think that fucking the NBA is sitting on fucking goldmine. I think right. it's an incredible league. I think they're sitting so fucking pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they got a lot of good things going for themselves. Um, Trying to think if there's anything unique. You know, it's funny.
0: You said there are two sports potentially in the next 20 years that can index on new mediums. Have you thought any more about which ones? And you don't have to say and, lacrosse. And are You
1: <laughs> You know, it's funny. Everybody's been saying, right? You know this. I mean, it must be frustrating and, and passionate, intriguing for you to watch lacrosse try to... You know, I love when people are like, it's the fastest growing sport. I'm like, cool. One, w- you know, it doubled. So now you have two. Like, people are always right. so, like, funny. I mean, in they-
0: your nascent stage, you should... Grow, are you, you kidding?
1: Know? Like, you know, of course. If VaynerMedia grew next year the way it did in the first few years. Or I might buy the Jets. Like, of course, you are supposed to go crazy in the beginning. You know, I mean, I think the I think that I think that there's a sport that will you know emerge because of mobile devices and live streaming that we don't, don't even know exists is made up or it's mm. something weird like pickleball or Smashball or something. Because if you look, neither esports or mixed martial arts could have come out of my mouth 15 years ago. I knew Royce Gracie like maybe 15 years ago for mixed martial arts, not 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously not esports, like are you fucking kidding me? Like like if I knew that was the case, maybe I would have put all my time into like playing Madden. By the way, back to weird formations, (laughs) I got so good at Madden 94, that by Madden 96, before the hike, I would move all my defensive players off the line, bring safe. like I would do so many things <laughs> and then I started getting beat by people and I wasn't able to get out of doing weird shit and it's been something that has sat in my mind for years. I was great at something. To get me interested because I was so much better than everybody, I started doing weird shit. Kind of like, Kind of like Silva, and when he got knocked out, and you right, yep. he got so bored that he was so much faster. He's had to start putting his hands behind his back when you're, you. He just don't have the patience for you're, it. You're, you're
0: bored. I remember there was a tight end flag route in the '90s Madden that, I, that would just hit every single yeah. time, uh-huh. so I just stopped playing. That's right.
1: So, so I started doing that. But what was interesting to me is people started beating me because I was being ridiculous. I then stopped wanting them to beat me, and something happened in that transition that made me not as good anymore, and it's been something that has stuck with me forever. As great as I am at what I do, I will never let myself in my career pull defensive linemen and put him in the secondary because I'm scared that if I get too far down that path, that it makes me vulnerable.
0: If you enjoyed my conversation with Gary Vee as much as I did, be sure to let us know. And continue the conversation by following us on social media and tweeting at us, at Paul Rabel, at Gary V. That's G-A-R-Y-V-E-E. Two big takeaways, as always, in the recap of the show. Number one, we're going long in audio, especially Gary. He's got a podcast called The Gary Vee Audio Experience. Check it out, download, and subscribe. Number two, work really, 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 really hard. That's always been his M.O. He's a hustler and encourages you to do the same. And for me to tie this back into sports, there is no substitution for hard work. Be the first to listen to future episodes as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversation with New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, action sports star Travis Pastrana, tennis player Venus Williams, NFL quarterback Drew Brees, and NBA star Jeremy Lin. There are others as well that were fantastic. You can find all these episodes and more on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods and this pod. There's a shortcut to our show notes, including everything Gary V, other athlete lists, news, and headlines. You can visit suitinguppodcast.com. And that is it, everyone. Until next time. Actually, I hope you listen to another episode, especially if this is your first time on this one and you came from Gary's audience. And if it's your first, I'll give you a recommendation. Listen to Dee Smith. He's the NFL PA Executive Director, and he was unbelievable when I met with him in D.C. And he's also been in the news a lot lately with the NFL season kickoff and concussion safety. Talk to you soon.